0: I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glory. Glory. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Hello again, everyone. And welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with longtime friend, good buddy, Guard Dog Steve. And at least you didn't say old friend. The young, longtime friend. That's amazingly young. Amazingly young, yes. Hello, everybody. I'm glad that you're here to join us and listen in. Hopefully you'll hear from God tonight. God will speak through us, and He'll speak His Word of wisdom, and he'll take us on a trail through the Bible and pull up verses from here and there and everywhere else and make a a picture of this gospel, this euangelion, the good news, the gospel. That's what we're asking God to do tonight. So thank you for joining us. We're hoping you hear something good. As we always do, we depend on God to, as you guys are Probably figuring out we're not great orators or. No, with absolutely no organizational skills. No Bible school. <laughs> no, just seminary school. We just rely on the Spirit to come through. We do. And He does. And He does. He does. He always has for me for 25 years. He's always come through. I try and have my mind as blank as possible and. Let something come up and go wherever the verses I remember take me. There's no better way to do a podcast than go where the Spirit takes us. Takes us, yes. Remember we were doing a lot on the reconciliation. Yes, very important. The The idea of a darkness, something we didn't know about, and we defined it as an, an ignorance being reconciled. That yeah. God had reconciled us and we were in the dark about that. And some things we were purposely kept in the dark about by God. Yes. Which is another podcast. podcast in itself. Yeah. True. But one thing that we brought out that kept us in the dark was this not knowing about what really took place on the cross. This reconciliation that took place. And just to review, let's say review my wrong thinking and I think yours too. And I think a lot of what I understand and hear is we think that say Romans five, ten and eleven, yes, yes having been reconciled to God mm-hmm. and Second Corinthians five, fourteen to twenty one, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Yes. There's a statement there that it says all this is from God. Amen. who reconciled us to himself. And we haven't got that order right. We think there's things we do to reconcile God back, back to, to us. us. That God is hostile to us. But it's not the case. It is not the case. It's we, not the truth. It's not the truth that we were hostile to God because of fear. Because of fear. Because of fear. We thought we were enemies with God because of our behavior for what we saw ourselves do during the course of a day we felt a- alienated from god which is a form of death and it's this fear of death that we can get into but i, I want to show you something that i noticed steve we were talking about romans 5:10 and 11 yeah i think we quoted those two verses verbatim yes and they talked about the reconciliation having been reconciled past tense Do you want to quote it again? Yeah. Unfortunately, I just have an NIV in front of me. But here I go. Verse 10. Romans 5, verse 10. For if we were God's enemies, and where were we enemies, Steve? In reality or in our minds? Oh, only in our minds. It doesn't bring that out here. It does. There's plenty of other places. We're going to. Yeah. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled, to him, through the death of his son, through what Steve, the death, death of his son, that's how he reconciled the world to God. I don't see anything about an appeasement plan that we came up with. No, let's go see if we can the formula. Things. Yeah, the formula I think that's right. To what can God. we do to please God? Yes, doesn't say that. It says that the death. Of his son is what reconciled us past tense. And it's actually active voice, meaning we were the ones reconciled passively to God. We had nothing to do with it. it. had nothing to do with it. Obviously, we weren't even born yet. No. When he died on the cross. Okay. Read it one more time. For if while we were God's enemies, we were past tense reconciled to him through the death of his son, How much more, having been reconciled... so Is it done deal? Yeah. So he just repeats it. You can put that in the bank. We've been reconciled. reconciled. We've been reconciled with God in the bank. Shall we be saved through his life? His life manifesting itself through us. Saves us from ourselves. Not only is this so, but we also boast... In God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. You ever bounce a check, Steve? Not Not that I care to admit. (laughs) I have. I have. I have. When you bounce a check, everyone can relate to this. You go to the bank and you reconcile according to the bank statement. Now, I tried reconciling. I tried having the bank reconcile to my recollection. Yes, saying I do not recollect writing that check. Yeah, and I'm not sure about that check. Well, we'll bring it up. It was check number one zero nine eight. Yeah, there it is, right in front of you. To Walmart. You're right. Oh yeah. See, you don't reconcile to your recollection. You don't reconcile to what you think in your mind, right? Right. You reconcile to the state, the bank statement. Mm -hmm. The statement of fact. The statement of fact. The very last words Jesus said when it's talking about his death, we were reconciled through his death. Yeah. Were it is finished. Yes. Which means paid in In full. full. That is the statement you reconcile to. Yes. That's why in Romans 6 it says, so consider yourselves. Count it true. Same word. Yes. Root of that word. Yes. Count it true. Right. I'm reconcile. Maybe I should read that passage? Yeah, and then we'll go back to 11 here. Okay, I'm starting in Romans 6, do uh six ten. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider Reckon, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God. Consider your debt to sin as have been paid. Reckon this is an accounting term again. Look at your ledger and see that it's paid in full and your sin debt is paid been acquitted. If you want to reconcile your accounts payable and re- accounts receivable, this is the statement you do. That's what he says. Reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Line your thinking up with the statement God made. You are reconciled. Your debt is paid in full. You are okay with God. And it doesn't matter how you feel about something. If someone tells you something, if it's not squaring with this accounting principle, not principle. Principle but information. This oh. this accounting statement. Okay. Paid in full well, yeah. is the accounting statement I want you to put in your mind. Paid in full. Right. If it's not lining up with that and you you're are. saying, you know, I, I think I got some that aren't, you're playing right into the devil's Yes you are house. Yeah. You're playing into his hand. And I say that and we're gonna come back to Romans five, but Let's go to Hebrews 2, I think it is. Okay, this is a verse that I have a pet peeve about. Hopefully we're going to do the podcast really about this verse, because I think it happens a lot in the 20th century church. The 20th century church. In the nineteenth, 18th, 17th. and right. Down the line. Right. And it does great damage to people. Yes, is what gave Freud his job. It really did. It's If people didn't have so much fear that they weren't pleasing God, they wouldn't have gone insane. But just that fear drove them insane, and Freud just said, throw the baby out with the bathwater. He should have said, throw the legalists out, but save Christianity and keep believing in Jesus. But he threw Jesus and everybody out. Because he didn't have the gospel. Because he didn't. Understand it, yes. He had the bad news without the good news. Right. He was listening to the preaching that went on in those years. So let's look at, are you there, Hebrews 2? Yeah. I think it's 14 and 15. Okay. this Here's the verse that we want to zero in on. It's verse 14. Since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of flesh and blood, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus died on the cross to render the devil powerless. Then it goes on to say, verse 15, okay, and might deliver those This is the part I want you to get. Through fear of death, were subject to slavery how much of their lives, Bill? All their lives. All their lives they were in fear and in slavery to futility because of that fear all their lives as a Christian. Can can you imagine that, to be in fear all your life as a Christian? I think there are people out there, I've met people out there that live in constant fear as a Christian. They fear that they're not pleasing God, and they sincerely want to, just like I sincerely wanted to, just like I at one time sincerely feared that, I was letting God down and he was disappointed with me. I legitimately, genuinely had those feelings that I'd let God down and he was disappointed with me. And they plagued me for years. And they plagued some people as this Bible passage says they've plagued some people all their lives. That's what it says here. So let's let's break down verse fourteen. Okay. For as much as the children are are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same. Okay, so the Son of God became the Son of Man. He became flesh and blood. He became the second Adam. Adam. Because we had flesh and blood, he took on flesh and blood for a purpose. So he could be the sinless, perfect man... And die on behalf of all of us, just like an unblemished lamb. That's exactly. In John 12, do you remember the verse he said, Now is my heart troubled? Yes. And what shall I say? Deliver me from this hour, Father, he was praying. Yeah. But then he says, No, for this reason I came. Right? This is the reason I've come down here. This is the whole reason I came to go to the cross and take on the sin of the world and pay the sin debt for every person that would ever live so that the devil would no longer have power to accuse and cause fear of death in any man. In any man. This is the reason he came down to earth is to stop us from fearing that we don't please God. Did we just read that in Hebrews 2? So that exactly that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, mm-hmm. which is the accuser. The accuser, so he could destroy him who had the power of death. Who through fear of death, death this fear of this condemnation, were held in slavery to this fear of death all their lives. Yes. He held the whole world in fear and in slavery to futility their whole lives. So through fear of death, we were held in slavery all our lives. Lies, man, what a horrible thought. So let me ask you something, Steve. Yes. How does fear of death hold someone in slavery? How, how does the devil put someone in slavery. What is his mode of operation? Yeah, how does he do it? How does he do it? What gives right. him the authority to do it? Right. Because right. these are believers in God. Yeah. They're not believers in him. I think he does it through decession. the 2nd Corinthians idea, the ministry of death. Remember that in 2nd Corinthians? It is called the ministry of death. Yeah, I and think it'll reveal to us Need to know. No. Okay, let's go there. So, what is the ministry of death? I'm, to, I'm looking in Second Corinthians three, verse six. I'm going to start there, right? Okay. God has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills. But the Spirit gives life. So we we need to find out what the letter is. Which is going to tell us when we get into verse 7 and 8. I think the very next verse tells us what the letter is. The ministry of death. So the letter kills. So what is the letter? Verse 7. Now, if the ministry that brought death, here's a clue, Mm -hmm. which was engraved in letters on stone. Came with glory, so the, the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was. Okay, so what ministry came engraved on tablets of stone? The Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments. That's what the ministry of death is. There's nothing else in the Bible that is engraved on stone, on stone. except the Ten Commandments. Came right now, right. Because it makes you feel condemned. Tablets of stone make you feel condemned. You don't feel good about yourself. The law was good. Yes, for its purpose, it, it was good because it made you feel like death. It condemned you. That's where it did its good. Verse eight. Yes, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Remember the first, the ministry of the condemnation. Had a fading glory. Yes, yes. And the ministry of the Spirit is going to tell us what the ministry of the Spirit does, how the Holy Spirit ministers to us is going to be explained in the next verse. Verse 9, it's a ministry that brought condemnation. Okay, so it kills, it brings death, death and it brings condemnation. condemnation. Came with We're a, talking about the Ten Commandments still, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? So the ministry of the Spirit is the ministry of righteousness. The ministry of law is the ministry of death and condemnation. condemnation. And that is how... The devil brings you to slavery because of fear. We were were asking the question, how does he do it? How does he do it? He does it through the ministry of death and condemnation. And the ministry of the Spirit battles against that by being the ministry of righteousness. The Spirit tells you you're righteous in God's eyes. Your sins and lawless deeds, he'll remember no more. You are okay with God. You are pleasing to God. That's what the Spirit says. But this ministry of death is used so much in the 20th century church that people are literally enslaved to futility their entire lives. Entire lives. I can't say that loud enough. Your entire life is enslaved if you're... Putting yourself, or if someone Mine is, is putting, putting you under the Ten Commandments. And it's usually someone on TV or radio. Uh oh. That was not a sound effect. <laughs> that was not a sound effect, was it? Somebody's digging the message. I think when we said the ministry of death is used by the 20th century church, God just gave us a big amen with that thunder. That's how the law was given. Yes. In, in clouds and thick thunder. Yes. In fear. There it goes yeah. again. There it goes again. I sounded Every bad. time we mention the law. It thunders. It thunders. Wow, that's amazing. Just amazing. Thank, Thank you, Lord. And it says you, Lord, when the Ten Commandments came, the people were filled with fear. fear. And even Moses, it says, quaint. Yes. In the yes. King James, And they said, don't. When they say, don't let the Lord... Please tell God to stop talking. We can't bear this. We can't bear that thunder. It's death to us. It's death to us. It was a frightening experience, like a thunderstorm. Yes. Amen. Amen. So I'll that... Only that pass. so we can continue yeah. with the podcast. The, the thunder in the ministry of death and condemnation is how... We stay enslaved to futility, not living the Christian life that we want to see ourselves living. So the question is, do we want to live in that futility, or do we want to live the exemplary Christian life? We want to live the exemplary Christian life, and this fear-driven, 21st century church is keeping us in futility. We're not living the Christian life that we want. We're not rising to the standards that we want, no matter how much we're preached at to be better, be better, be better. We're just not getting any better. So we want to understand how this ministry called the ministry of the death, which is the ministry of law, the Mosaic Law, how does it get used by Satan to work against us? That's a good question, and I would agree with everything you said except one thing. Mm I don't think it's unique to the 21st century. That's true. That's true. Every century has felt it. I don't think the accuser has changed his playbook. No, he hasn't. So let's look. I'm tempted to go to... Hebrews. Let's go to Romans first. Okay, then we'll go. We'll we'll see how Hasatan uses the ministry known as the Mosaic Law to keep us into bondage to fear of death again. Over and over, we're constantly fearing that we cause God to be ashamed of us. We're naked and ashamed, Adam said. Okay, so let me let me just do something real quick in Romans 7, 1 through 6. Okay. And then I'll get into the... It's talking about us being legally bound to the law in Romans 7. The first six chapters, yes. Yeah. The first six verses, I'm, I'm sorry. first six verses, yes. But it says that if you die, you're released from the law. That the law only has authority over you as long as you are live. Mm-hmm. And then he says, he gives this fact that we died... Through the body of Christ, exactly. In six, Romans six, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Bear this out. Yes, that we we were buried with Him, died with Him, crucified with Him, and also we raised with to Him, him to walk in newness, newness of, of life. The ministry of the Spirit, which ministry brings of the Spirit. Romans seven seven. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. mea, noia. Heck no. Then it says, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. So it did have a purpose. Yes. For I would not have known what coveting was if the law had said you shall not covet. But, verse 8, sin, seizing the opportunity given by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Sin seized an opportunity afforded by what, Steve? The law that we feel is so precious to us, the law that we really want to uphold. We always did want to uphold it, but it actually turned out that it gave Satan his power over us. We were in bondage to fear again. We were in bondage to him again. Doesn't it say in 1 Corinthians 15 56 the power yeah. of sin is comes from the law, comes from the law? The power of sin is the law, it says. So it says here the sin took opportunity afforded by the commandment because without the commandment, sin, sin is. is dormant. What about verse 9, Steve? Yeah, preach it, brother. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life. And I what? And I died. And I died. Isn't that what we're talking about through the fear of death? We've been held bondage. We've been slaves all our lives. Did it not say all our lives? It did. And he said... Sin sprang to life and I died. Now, obviously, Paul didn't physically die that day because he went on to write this letter. But he felt naked and ashamed, just like Adam died. Exactly like Adam. He experienced the same death that Adam did. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the same death that we did. Yes, yes. It's back in Genesis. God says, don't eat a tree of the knowledge of good and evil because in dying you shall die, is what it literally says. In dying you shall die, and this feeling of dying is the feeling of being naked and ashamed and eventually it gets the best of you. It ages you. <laughs> it ages you. Wears you down. Yes. So once, verse 9, once I was alive apart from the law. How was he living? Good Apart from what? The law. Yes. But when the commandment came, the sin sprang to life, and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. Death. Isn't that what we're talking about? The fear of death. Now, where did this idea that this commandment was going to bring life? Well, on the radio, for one. Yes. On the TV, for one. Yes, yes. And sad to say, sad to say, and when I say sad to say, I mean I mean it really grieves me. I'm not just out here. Battling. I'll do one better from my mouth. Occasionally, it's I said from it. ministry of condemnation. Yes, if you can just do this, God will be pleased with you, right? Still to this day, I catch myself saying such things. My whole goal as a Christian, and I've said this before was to stop sinning. And how did I stop sinning? By keeping the the law, the best thing. How did that work for you? I sinned worse than ever. Exactly. Sin sprang to life. I spent a night in jail. Yes. You know, you were the one that came and bailed me out. I spent a night in jail as a self-righteous Christian trying to keep the law until... I was so much under the law, so much under this legalism, so much under fear, fear. that I took to the law, the law deceived or the sin deceived me and put me to death and embarrassed me in front of my friends that I've been witnessing to over and over and over again, and we saw from that one passage in Hebrews all your life. How would you like to be free from something that's held you in slavery all your life? Amen. Amen. Tell me how, Bill. Tell me how. Set me free, Bill. I want to be free to live an awesome Christian life. Okay. Step one is you have to know something. Okay. Let me go to Romans 6, 1. Okay. All right. What shall we say? Shall we go on continuing in the sin? That grace might increase by no means. We are those who have died to the sin. How can we live in it any longer? Verse 3, or do you not know? Know what? Do you not know that all of us who were identified or baptized in Christ Jesus were identified into his death? Do you know that? Do you really realize that when he died, you died with him? One died For on behalf all, of all, therefore all died. And we were reconciled to God when we through died, his death. When we died, we paid the sin debt in full. But we have to get a load of this concept that when Christ was hung on the cross... God saw all men drawn into him, or as Romans 6 says, baptized into him, and we paid our sin debt. One died for all, therefore all died in God's eyes. If all died in God's eyes, then that is the truth of the matter. We died. That's why Paul could say, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, because he been crucified with Christ in God's eyes, and his sin debt was paid, and that's what we have to know. That's the first thing you have to know. Verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism in the death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that we too might live in newness of life, or literally freshness. Of this spirit life. Of this new way of life in Christ Jesus that Paul taught everywhere in every church. And don't get confused by that word might. Just simply means, yeah, for the purpose. For the purpose of. We were buried for the purpose of being raised into newness, a fresh life. Yes. Then it says this For if we have been united with him, in the likeness of his death, and we were, we were, just showed that, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection life. Verse 6, for we know that the, literally in the Greek, the old man of us was crucified with him so that the body of sin might, there's that word might, for the purpose of the body of sin to be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to the sin. Isn't that what the Hebrews said? He came to earth and took on the form of flesh and blood so that he could render powerless him who had the power of over death, that he could set us free from our slavery to fear of death? Which is what it says in verse 7. So that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Why? Verse 7. Because anyone who has died has been acquitted from all sin. The debt is paid. There's no double jeopardy.
1: It God cannot says be. we
0: die and we can't be tried again. So don't let the devil try you again, no matter what form he takes on. Because... In one passage, it says the devil masked the rays as a beacon of light. Oh, yeah. So when you try and say, Well, I died, he said, Oh, no, you haven't. You need to get busy. You You're told you, man you died. You need to get busy. Yes. And you need to put yourself under the law. Or you'll die. Forget this spirit stuff. Forget this living by the spirit stuff and this new life stuff. Grit your teeth and. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So verse 8, Steve. Now if we've died with Christ, that's a fact. We believe that we shall also live with him. Verse 9. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Isn't that what we were talking about in John chapter 12, where he said the ruler has been cast down. There's judgment upon the earth, and the ruler has been cast out. It means the ruler has been cast out of power. It literally is that word, which means rendered powerless. The devil has been rendered powerless. What happens when you unplug a power tool? Doesn't work anymore. It's rendered powerless. When you die... His fear of death was rendered powerless because of verse 10. The death he died, he died to the sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And this is your life. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, not in your human strength and determination are you alive to God. In the Spirit's power, you are considered alive to God, and that word "count yourselves dead to sin" it's a, a root of that. Look into my look into mine. count it true, count it true. From a an accounting standpoint, so we need to get our six eleven lined up with our seven eleven in Romans. brother. let brother. Line up the elevens. Seven eleven for sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment, put me to death. Why did it put me to death? Because I forgot about 6 That I was already dead. That I was already dead. But read the actual verse. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 10, in the same way count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any of the parts of yourself to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life in every part, of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Here's a statement, verse 14. For sin shall not be master over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. What? So how does sin master you? Under grace? Not no. under grace. But I thought that grace was the, the, the used by people to... As a license to sin. They do well without a license. They, under the law, they, they sin and sin and sin and sin. We're saying that if you live under grace, under the power of the Holy Spirit, you cannot. will sin less, And Sin more. can't master you. Sin can't master you. There's a biblical principle that we're talking about. Live by this biblical principle. Trust in it. Try it. Try to live under grace, under the control of the Holy Spirit, and not under the control of your own self-determination. Do not get back on that works-oriented treadmill. Try to get off of it. Try it at least for a little while, because otherwise you're going to be slaves all your life. Isn't that what it said in the first verse we looked at? That they were slaves all their lives to this futility, never living the exemplary Christian life, just falling short, falling short, falling short of the Christian life that you want to see yourself live. Give the idea of living by the Holy Spirit a try. Let Jesus, get in the ring with Hulk Hogan for you. Don't try and battle sin on your own. Let Jesus do for you what you can't do for yourself. All we're saying is try it. Okay, I'll try it. But first, before I try it, let me try my way, Steve. This is what I did. My way was I would hear messages that sounded something like, God does not. God hates sin. True. Therefore, I'm going to make this as simple as possible. Stop committing sins so that God doesn't hate you. And so, that's what I did. How do I stop sinning? Well, I look at these commandments and I start obeying them. And if I obey the commandments, I won't sin. If I don't sin, God won't hate me. He'll love me and accept me. And then I start trying to keep the commands and I find that I can't. I don't have the ability. And guess what runs through my mind? Fear. Because I think God's upset at me. Angry. And then I first John one 1.9 and I confess him. And then I get the slate wiped clean. Because they told me that too. When you do sin, keep short accounts. And then God wipes the sl- slate clean and you get a fresh start. And then I had a fresh start. So I went back to the commandments that told me the sins not to do. And the commandments produced in me more sin more death more fear so that that's how it works so you know what steve i think i'm going to take you up on that what was that you said again apart from law sin is dead yes sin shall not be my master because i'm not under law but under grace amen Though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed this form of teaching in which you were entrusted, and now you're no longer a slave to sin? Please wholeheartedly trust in this form of teaching. What was the form of teaching? Steve just said it. It's dependence on the Spirit. That's Paul's form of teaching. It's called his way of life in Christ that he what? Teaches. Where? Everywhere. In how many places? Every place. Yes. Doesn't get any more precise than that, does it? Yes, yes. If Paul taught it, give it a try. Amen. All we are saying, <laughs> give grace a chance. Don't make us sing. <laughs> Don't make us sing. You <laughs> won't like it when we sing. <laughs> you might be better off on the law than putting up with our <laughs> singing. Yeah, yeah. Just kidding. But as long as you get the point, give it a try. Sin shall not be master over you because you're not under law, but under grace. Put that on your refrigerator. It's Romans 6.14. So you look at it every day. Amen. Amen. With that in mind, do you want to close us in prayer? Yes. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for these truths that... He who has died has been acquitted from all sin. Thank you for this truth that we were included in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Thank you for this truth that sin has no more mastery over us because we're not under law but under grace. Thank you that where sin abound, grace did much more abound. Thank you, Father God, for your spirit. Thank you for the abundance of your spirit. And that we can live a life in accordance with the Spirit's power and be set free from sin and be set free from the fear of death that comes when we think we're not measuring up. Keep us mindful of these truths, Father God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks you guys. We Thank love you, you guys. Good night.